Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello and welcome to episode 268 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You're on for the second week in a row. It would have been a bets week, but she's incredibly busy at the moment, which is great news. She's also managed to strain her throat again because Bex. So, <laughs> so you know, if, yeah. if you could like stub your toe or smack your head on something or fall down a flight of stairs, then we get the full experience of her being here without her actually being here. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Well, you put in the notes that you wanted me to talk a little bit about the Avengers game, which I've talked about in... Uh... Yeah, I know you've talked about it in other places, but I don't think you've ever actually spoken about it on here. So I'm intrigued to know what you think of it, because this was the game that actually, I think, topped our list of most anticipated games in the awards last year. And I hear from various sources, it's been a bit of disappointment to people. Yeah, I've described this as a disgusting generic cash grab, because (laughs) that looks like that's what it is. This is a game that looks, plays and feels like a PlayStation 3 game that has been released at the end of the PS4 generation. So it feels like it's, you could say, almost two generations old because we're about to go into the PlayStation 5 era of games. Uh, You're talking about a game that starts off with, I think, five or six heroes which have each got $15 battle passes. Just think about that for a moment. Not one battle pass for everything in multiplayer, one £15 battle pass for each character. They're also going to add characters, obviously, because they're going to add, well, Spider-Man, I think, eventually Black Panther, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, and some others. So I would imagine that when those new characters come in and get added to multiplayer, that they will probably also have $15 battle passes. I also wonder as well, now this hasn't been announced, this is just a bit more of my assumption, if they start to go into seasonal content, would they reset reset the battle passes every season? I don't know, because that could become incredibly expensive. But it's funny because, well, for some reason on social media, I'm still following the Avengers game and I see little updates and stuff that they put out they put out a uh, tweet or a facebook post the other day and they said oh we've we've done an update to fix a thousand bugs <laughs> should you really be launching a game if it's got a thousand bugs because I, I, I don't think that you should no i, I don't think that sounds like a very good idea that it specifically said we fixed a thousand bugs not like oh we've done some you know so, sure most if not every game's got bugs in some places not no game launches perfectly but they specifically said we've fixed a thousand 
and bugs. That's an awful lot for <laughs> what's supposed to be a AAA Avengers game. Yeah. Um, now I've been I've been saying since the days of you know Fallout 76, Crackdown 3, Anthem. That's as a gaming community or whatever, we've got to stop accepting bad AAA video games. And this is a bad AAA video game that again is being accepted by people. And it's just funny to continue to see some people say, "Oh, this game will be good in six months." Well, then release it in six months. You yeah. Know? It's just it really does show a, a big example of again not accepting because this is a AAA Avengers game. This is made by it's developed by um, Crystal Dynamics and published by Square Enix. And they've they've got like a you know Destiny style storefront or a Fortnite style storefront, and they've got all this like sponsored tie-in sort of costumes for the characters. Like there's certain oh. deals in America of like if you sign up with certain phone companies or whatever for different things, you get, you yeah. get given this like Avengers skin and stuff, which you know tells me their stance on the money side of things. So just, just overall, it's just a massive mess. But I know it's interesting because usually because this is well, it's a live service and a single player game. It does both things. Usually with most game companies, like I said, you get you know oh we, we we've done some some little improvements, some little fixes. There was this little problem here or there. But um, I found it kind of interesting. They specifically said a thousand bucks. But <laughs> anyway, I've tried to kind of distance myself a bit from this game because I just got annoyed with the state that it's turned out in. Because I think you said earlier that it was on the most anticipated Geek Town yes, awards was. list, and I, and I was really looking forward to it this year. So seeing how it's kind of turned out, and we waited years and years to see what this game even was, and uh, seeing how it's turned out is is very very disappointing. But I've been seeing over the last I don't know two or three weeks, how, however long the game has been out of like oh here's this bug and that bug and this bug and that bug I've not seen anyone post like oh here's this really cool thing I did with Thor or Iron Man or yeah. oh here's this really good like emotional cutscene or whatever someone said like oh I was flying as Thor and then I accidentally bumped into the wall a bit and then it chucked me out of the map and I had to abandon the mission because they couldn't move and then wow. there was this other one where um, I think someone was playing as Thor and they were speaking to like a vendor in the game mm-hmm. and uh, they were saying something to Thor like oh you're awesome or something like that and if you stand there the, the woman repeats this line for a really long time and someone else in the same comment section said yeah I stood there for an entire minute and she said the same thing over and over again it was only until that person's wife said like okay that's just walk away from the character <laughs> it's just yeah I think I've kind of painted a good enough sort of picture as to yeah. what this so game looks like the battle, so. pa- the battle passes are for the multiplayer so the single player I'm assuming is free apart from the fact that you know there are extra skins and stuff you can get I think so yeah. um, considering it's a triple A game I've really not seen that much about it other than people saying it's a shameless cash grab mm. I've not seen stuff talking about the single player because you know I, it's one thing if they want to make money out of the battle passes you know yes charging for every single character individually is a ridiculous situation but you know mm-hmm. if they want to make money out of the battle passes I'm sort of okay with that not the price point they're doing it but you know if that's what they want to do but only if the single player is any good and I don't know that because you're not seeing that many reviews of it you know so yeah it's funny as well because I got into well I tried to make it a debate but the person obviously got a bit uh, annoyed and carried away and they said like oh I've spent $60 on the uh, you know cosmetics and I've spent 120 because you know the game's $60 and then another 60 of cosmetics is 120 he said something to do with like oh I'm like really happy with all the money that I've spent and stuff it's like well you've you kind of proved my point a bit about the cash grab because they've grabbed cash literally from you for yeah. the for the stuff that they've put in the game so yeah that pretty much sums all that up 
would I recommend it? Nope. Yeah, it's one of those yeah. things that I may look at if I can find some decent reviews of the single player and the single player is okay. Mm. When it drops in price, maybe I'll look at getting it. But um, um, and, and when it doesn't have a thousand bucks. And when it doesn't have a thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's got yeah. a thousand yeah. less bucks now. It is just whether mm. there's still a thousand more to buy. Yeah, just so. wait like a year or something and, yeah. and see. So moving on to, I do have more positive things to talk about. Don't <laughs> worry. Uh, finish the Jurassic Park Netflix series, which this was oddly difficult to find. Right, yes, yeah, Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous it is. It. I, I yeah. guess they buried it because you're not a kid and it's technically supposed <laughs> to be a kid's show, but it seems to have a fairly broad audience, I would have thought. I'm surprised it's not being pushed a bit more. Yeah, but I searched for like Jurassic Park and Jurassic and uh, took a little bit more searching than what it maybe should have, but I, yeah. I got there in the end. It would help if it was at the front of new releases because it was newly released on that day. Yes. That's a, that's a different thing for a different time, I guess. Um, I really, really liked it. I I think the the first three to four episodes focus a lot more on uh, character development and who's who and why they're at the camp because they all have their different reasons. They also set something else up that is you know set up for later earlier on. Can't get into what that is because that's more sort of spoilery stuff. But it did quite surprise me. The last sort of three to four episodes are quite action packed, and that's where things really kind of kick off a bit because by that time we're well, not done with the character development. You're still developing the characters and that and sorting out like who, who's more friendly with who and whatever relationships with the characters and stuff obviously bad things happen in the park because it's Jurassic Park and it always ends up like that Yeah. Uh, or Jurassic World in this situation so once they start getting into some of the more action heavy stuff with the dinosaurs and obviously the kids have to run away at certain points and there's the adults involved one of which is called Roxy and she's voiced by Jamila Jamal from yes. uh, The Good Place yeah which was I, I was sort of listening to the characters in that and I was like is that is that Jamila Jamal and I looked up the cast and it was her so uh <laughs> I guess that was a good spot with that. But um, yeah, she, she's really good as well. There's uh, there's this male and this female sort of the people that are looking after them and that uh, the people that run the camp and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, just as it went on, I just kept going with the series, kept enjoying it more. I will say in the first two episodes or so, there's a few lines of dialogue that maybe just don't need to be in there and they don't quite fit. Some of that stuff isn't quite as sort of welcome, but they sort of get past some of that stuff in like the first couple of episodes and then really focus focus on the characters mainly the main character and why he's there uh, so that's really good but yeah I finished it and really really enjoyed it so I'd uh, I'd recommend that have you seen any of it? I haven't got to it yet no I do want to go watch it because it does look really fun it's Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous I think I said Jurassic Park before but uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous on Netflix uh, eight episodes Ryan Potter's in there doing one of the voices Ryan Potter's the guy that plays Beast Boy on uh, and he also was the voice of Hero in Big Hero 6 but he's, he plays huh. Beast Boy on Titans as well. He plays Kenji in it. So there's a few familiar faces in there. But yeah, the animation's good. The pacing's really good. You know, it's 25 minutes and eight episodes. I mean, it's designed for like a you know, kid's mm. audience and whatnot. So you don't want them to be sitting there for 10 hours or whatever. But uh, it's a nice sort of short and sweet series. I like where they end the first season with potential of what they could do for season two, which is there's still quite a lot of story to tell. I hope it gets renewed and uh, we see another one. That would yeah, be good. That'd be good. So, yeah. Uh, something else which I I really, really enjoyed watch last night. It's called Alive. It's on Netflix and it's a uh, zombie film. And as I'm sure the Geek Town audience is aware at this point, <laughs> I really, really like zombie stuff. Not even just zombie stuff, post-apocalyptic sort of stories and, and, and those sorts of things. It's paced really, really well. Uh, it's an hour. It says an hour 38. It's about an hour 40 or you know, whatever. Mm. It tells this kind of isolated 
complicated story of this person who the apocalypse kind of starts and hears, you know, on the news about, oh, you know, people have kind of gone mad and whatever. You know, the, the usual way these zombie yeah, stories yeah. kind of start, they, they notice obviously something's very wrong with people, but they're not quite sure of what. And they recommend, obviously, you know, you stay at home and stuff. He starts hearing people running around and screaming and getting bitten and whatever. And he sees that in these streets and uh, he's living in this kind of, we would call them flats in Britain. There's like yeah. apartment complex sort of thing, which uh, really works out quite well for some of the zombie set pieces. I, re- I really liked how that fit in. But he's he's basically safe in his apartment from the start. But there's a bit of a problem he has with his door. He can't just sort of completely, well, I mean, he can't completely relax anyway because there's zombies around him. Yes. But he's, he's sort of safe in his apartment, but his door won't quite lock. And there's a whole thing about that. And he has to sort of put his fridge in front of the door and that sort of stuff. So when some of the zombies do kind of come around to his apartment, it's not as if he can sort of completely relax and think, oh, they won't get in. They right, do yeah, yeah. try to get in at certain points and that creates some, some good scenes. I found the ending to be particularly emotional, really, really good. And uh, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. So that's another one that I'd recommend. Yeah, that's a, it's a South Korean film, that one, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. um, it looks good if you're into your zombie stuff, then uh, definitely mm-hmm. looks like a decent one to look at. But yeah, the, the way they set up some of the, like I said, zombie set pieces and sort of survival tricks and, and, and that sort of thing, uh, it's quite inventive and quite creative. There's one particular little set piece I like towards the end. I'll just say that the way the main character uses a um, metal bar, quite good at the end. So uh, I thought that was good. But right. yeah, overall just really, really enjoyed it. So, uh, But what have you been up to? Uh, well, I've been jumping around on various different genres. Uh, one of the things I did watch mm-hmm. this week was the three-part miniseries Dez, which is about the serial killer Dennis Nielsen. David Tennant playing Dennis Nielsen, Daniel Mays playing the chief detective inspector that's sort of dealing with him. It's a fascinating story. I have a vague memory of it because it happened in the early 80s when he was arrested. So I have a sort of very vague memory of it at the time, but I was about eight years old. So, you know, I wasn't obviously that aware of it. Mm. I mean, overall, it's a really fascinating story because it's it's not a cat and mouse TV show. It's not cop chasing serial killer. It literally opens within the first five minutes of Nielsen getting arrested and caught and copping to just everything pretty much you know that in itself is quite disturbing to watch because you know they turn up at his house and it's like you could they can obviously smell that there's been dead bodies in there and it's like okay don't muck us about where's the body and he's like it's in that cupboard over there and he's completely matter of fact about like the whole thing it's an incredible portrayal of him just a, a really disturbing look into the sort of mind of this serial killer the entire thing sort of follows him being locked up the trial uh, what he's actually convicted of and then building the case around him so it's not exactly what you might expect from a sort of serial killer drama but it's really fascinating to watch and it's brilliantly acted throughout I mean David Tennant's always brilliant so is Daniel Mays uh, Jason Watkins is in there as well who's also superb just a fascinating three-part thing I highly highly recommend it I thought that was really good I don't recall what David Tennant ever doing a bad performance so no. pretty much everything I've I've seen him in uh, he's done an incredible performance whether or not he's a villain or a hero or whatever the situation he's always just a, a joy to watch on screen so yeah. I haven't seen any of this myself although apparently everybody else kind of seems <laughs> seems to have uh, it's, I just don't really go on you know because Superstore's finished and all that and I just don't really go on ITV players no well it's good, rare I do to be honest but. yeah because I'm not going to watch I'm not going to watch Love Island am I no but uh, <laughs> to go on there and uh, the, the episode are still on there I did check last night 
definitely have to have a look at it. Received a lot of good praise. And uh, I mean, you could just tell me that David Tennant's in something and I'll probably just watch it anyway. So, well, yeah, I mean, like, David yeah. Tennant was pretty much the reason why, why I watched it. Mm. The other thing I finished off was Criminal, which I started last week and watched all four, four episodes of season two now. They're so brilliantly put together as well. Kit Harrington and Kamel Nayar episodes I thought was superb. The Sharon Horgan episode as well was great. And I mean, Sophie Okanondi, I think her name is, uh, she was great as well. The Kit Harrington episode is really quite interesting because it's about an accusation of rape and the way that they handle it is very different to how I've seen that handled in a lot of other shows. I thought that was, it was quite interesting the way they looked at that case. They do some really interesting things just in the production of that show as well in that although the first episode is split across two days, you never actually leave the office and the way that they cut from the first day to the second day is really interesting because it almost like leaves the camera in the office as though you've been locked in there overnight and they sort of speed up time and you you could have easily just done that as like fade to black day two but rather than do that it leaves you in there and it sort of adds to this weird claustrophobicness of the fact that they never leave that space of the interview room the behind the scenes bit and the corridor you know it's everything is always filmed in that and you have points where the characters will kind of go into the lift and disappear and they're still sort of talking but they use that as an excuse for you not quite hearing what they're saying because you can't leave that space you can't go down with them so the mm-hmm. the whole way that it's shot i find fascinating i think it's a really interesting idea how they put that together performances are just great throughout canal's episode i thought was just superb it's really interesting to see him in that kind of role which is incredibly different to something like big bang theory which is obviously what he's best known for the opening of the kit harrington episode is incredible because it's basically a two three minute monologue of him sort of going right this is what happened and him just talking direct to camera pretty much that's a a really interesting way of opening it so yeah it's not just the performances though it's the subject matter and how they handle that subject matter is done in a very different way to a lot of other shows and uh, I yeah I thoroughly thoroughly recommend the second season I thought the first season was great second season is brilliant as well shame it's only like four episodes because I could really stand to watch more of it you know Mm, yeah so cut the first episode of two weeks to live which I know we talked about last week because you'd see it. I've now watched the first episode of it. Such a fun series. Macy's great in it. It's lovely seeing her in that sort of kick-ass role, but you were saying last week, you don't see quite enough of it. And I can't really judge that from the first episode, but there was a point in that very early on where she obviously did something quite kick-ass, but the camera doesn't show it at all. It sort of cuts away, which is kind of part of the gag, yeah. but I would like to actually see her kind of, you know, work in it a bit more. But uh, it's a really interesting setup for it and uh, I thought that's I thought that's kind of fascinating has ties back to the Amazon series Hannah because it's a sort of similar premise of girl raised by parent out in the woods somewhere and he's coming into the real world for the first time but very much done with a comedy take rather than a kind of serious drama take so I thought yeah, that's kind of interesting yeah, I guess it does doesn't it only seen the first episode of that but I'm really enjoying it so I will watch the rest of that started watching Why Women Kill I'm only about halfway through one episode at the moment because it was very late when I started watching it but I am thoroughly enjoying that as well that's really really fun I like the way that they've set that up in that if you don't know 
the premise of why women kill. It takes three different families at three different time periods, but they're all set in one mansion in Pasadena in LA. One story is set in the 1960s, one in the 1980s, and one in now, basically. And you sort of see the same house, but redressed for each of the different periods and remodeled for each of the different periods. I thought that was quite interesting. Casting's great in that, but I'm not going to get too far into that because I haven't watched that much of it. So uh, I'm going to watch the rest of it, but I, I really enjoyed that so far. The movie that I watched this week, I've actually seen a film this week, which is a rarity for me, is I watched Bill and Ted Face the Music, which I absolutely loved. If you're a fan of the Bill and Ted films, I don't think you're going to be disappointed by the third one. Unlike other things that we've talked about, it's not some sort of shameless cash-in. It's really well-crafted. <laughs> It is really nicely put together. You can tell it's put together with love and with people that really kind of got the fun and the silliness of it. Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves are great as Bill and Ted, and uh, they're now playing these kind of older versions. They've introduced their children, who are also brilliant. Uh, you've got Bridget Lundy Payne, who is playing Ted's child called Will, otherwise known as Billy. That's played by the sister from Atypical. That's who Bridget Lundy Payne so she's the one kid and uh, Samara Weaving Samara Weaving's Thea who is Bill's kid I've not seen her in that many things but I did watch her recently in Hollywood they're both great as well I thought the kids just do a great job of kind of mimicking their fathers to a certain extent but I thought they were really great you've got William Sandler back as the Grim Reaper Um, there's a bunch of other decent characters in there Kristen Saul is in there as the daughter of Rufus it's just a really nice setup essentially takes the idea that Bill and Ted, you know, the whole premise of Bill and Ted were they're supposed to write this piece of music that unites the planet. And at the end of the second film, Wild Stallions, their band has become hugely successful. We're now sort of 20, 25 years in the future and the band has broken up. Bill and Ted are still together, but the rest of the band have gone their separate ways because, you know, they had people like Death in the band with the bass player. You know, they were the band was made up of all these historical figures and uh, they've all kind of gone their separate ways and it's become apparent that this piece of music that they were supposed to write the pair of them together haven't managed to write this amazing song that's supposed to unite the world so this is sort of them going on a quest to try and find that song essentially and uh, there are high stakes because the the universe is beginning to come apart and stuff so uh, it's just I mean it's a stupid silly story story as they always are with this but it's done with such love and such care i don't care i'm sure there are plot holes you could drive a bus through for the time travel stuff but you're not watching it for that none of that's important you're watching it because you love bill and ted and you love the silly antics of it and uh, i just thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was it was a wonderful bit of escapism it's 91 minutes long it's just great to be able to sit and absorb it and such a wonderful film i i really really had a, just a great time so uh, I highly recommend it cool. if you're a fan of Bill and Ted I haven't seen the, the first two so I need oh, to change that got to, yes you do need to change that <laughs> absolute classic movies the first two the other thing of course which happened last night were the Emmy Awards we won't spend too long on this but some interesting shows did incredibly well Watchmen did amazingly well 11 wins for Watchmen in total which is superb Shit Creek did incredibly well 9 wins which I don't think anybody saw 
still coming. I mean, they thought it might pick up a few awards, but that's amazingly well. Succession got seven. Mandalorian got seven as well. So those were the highest scorers overall. Mrs. Maisel got four, which I'm very happy about. John Oliver, last week tonight, got four as well. That's all good. Dave Chappelle's stand-up, Sticks and Stones, got three, which is great as well. Outstanding lead actor was run by Mark Ruffalo for I Know That's Much Is True. That's for lead actor in a limited series. Regina King, one for Watchmen, lead actress in a limited series. She's totally deserved. Ayaya Abdul-Mateen II, who I think was the guy that played Cal. He also won for supporting actor in a limited series. Although, to be fair, there was three people from Watchmen nominated in that category. So, you know, they had a fairly good chance. Yeah. Uso Abdabah, who won for Mrs. America in supporting actress in a limited series. But again, they had three people nominated in that. So, you know, lead actor in a comedy series went to Eugene Levy for Schitt's Creek. Lead actress went to Catherine O'Hara for Schitt's Creek as well. And supporting actor in a comedy went to Dan Levy for Schitt's Creek. And supporting actress in a comedy went for Annie Murphy in Schitt's Creek. And I mean, they were up against like Mrs. Maisel. Dead to Me was in there. Blackish was in there. Good Place. So, I mean, some strong competition for that. I've not watched any of that show. Is that one? Yeah, so I've seen all the seasons of uh, Shit's Creek. Never actually talked about it on the podcast before for some reason, but uh, <laughs> it's a very, very good show. I think it did get maybe a little bit of a bump because it was the final season. Uh, and I was in a bit of like, I guess, an awkward place in, in a certain way because, you know, I love Good Place. I really like Shit's Creek as well. So maybe they could have spread the award out a little bit between those. But uh, Shit's Creek's a very good show. It is on the Netflix in the UK if, uh, if you want to watch it. But a um, bit of a shame that Good Place and Unbelievable didn't win anything, really. Mm, yeah, it is because it was their final season as well and yeah they could have spread that out a bit more but you know that's fine I mean Watchmen and Shit's Creek are great shows so yeah. I've, I've not got problems with them yeah. winning awards that's very good but it's uh, just other shows that I like unfortunately missed out a bit yeah so. lead actor in the drama series went to January Strong for Succession I think the biggest shock was lead actress in a drama series went to Xander for Euphoria and I mean she was up against Jennifer Anderson for Morning Show Olivia Colman for The Crown Jodie Comer for Killing Eve Sandra Oh for Killing Eve and Laura Linney for Ozark. I think she's the youngest person to win a lead actress because she's 24 as well. So great work by her. I didn't actually see that show, but well she was, deserved. She was really, really good in that. Yeah, yeah. well so, deserved, well, clearly. Know. Some incredible competition in that category. So yeah, hats off to it. That was really good. Billy Crudock won for The Morning Show for Best Supporting Actor, fending off half the cast of Succession for that win. <laughs> Supporting Actress in a Drama went to Julie Gardner for Ozark, Best Limited Series, Watchmen, Outstanding Comedy, obviously Shit's Creek because they nominated all the cast and Outstanding Drama went to Succession. So, I mean, I, it, what, it what was Best Drama? Succession. Yeah, Best Drama Succession, which is no great surprise. Although, I mean, again, tough competition. Mm. I mean, Better Call Saul, The Crown, Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, Mandalorian, Ozark and Stranger Things in that category. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. But Succession is a great show and I know how beloved it is. So, I think it's fair enough. Very happy to see Watchmen riding so high. And I mean, HBO overall, 107 nominations, 30 wins. So not bad. Uh, Netflix was second with 21 wins, 160 nominations. So. With the HBO stuff, a lot of Succession and a lot of uh, Watchmen did them some good. Yeah. And this is their first post Game of Thrones year. So people that were worried, maybe they wouldn't uh, do as well. But the Game of Thrones, shame no, HBO will be perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. HBO certainly doesn't seem to having a problem at all that's great any of those really deserve to win I think there were some great nominations in there very happy to see not only Watchmen being so high Mandalorian being quite high as well you know seven wins for the Mandalorian
Mandalorian is great. Just saying we're probably not going to get any, well, we're not going to get any more Watchmen, certainly for the foreseeable future. They've already said that. I think it's it's a perfect little series as it is. So, you know, that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So the summer is behind us. Uh, I don't know how that happened. It's been a weird year all round. But as we're now heading into the autumn and the nights are drawing in, the weather's getting colder, what better way to spend those cosy nights at your house than with some delicious craft beer? The guys at Beer 52 are offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet, all for free. All you need to do is go to Beer 52 52.com forward slash geek town and just cover the cost of the 5.95 for the postage beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150 members that they send a brand new case to every month every month's case has a different theme past themes have included beer from new zealand south africa korea and all over the usa and europe they're a great set of beers. Uh, they're really, really passionate about the UK craft beer scene and are looking to help them out during this weird period that we're in at the moment. If you don't like dark beer and that's not your thing, you can simply choose a light option instead. Your case also comes with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack, because who doesn't want a snack with their beer? If you ever change your mind, don't worry, you can pause or cancel the account at any time just go to beer 52 that's beer the number five and the number two dot com forward slash geek town to get your first case of eight beers for 5.95 that's beer 52.com forward slash geek town so we start off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. One cancellation, although this hurt, ABC have cancelled Stumptown, having previously renewed it. It's now cancelled after one season. And I mean, a lot of people very upset by this. Very beloved series by the fans of it and the fact that it had been renewed and then they changed their mind. Part of this is to do with COVID, obviously, the delay caused by the pandemic some of this might well have been to do with some changes going on behind the scenes and they had one of the change of showrunner and they were kind of changing the direction of the show slightly the upshot of all that was it was going to be april next year before it could have got back on air and they'd originally planned for it to come back this fall and there was no way it was going to hit that deadline and that sort of made them decide we're not going to renew it i'm not really understanding the logic behind that because 
when things were shut down filming for like four months, there was no way that, you know, m- most of the big fall or autumn TV shows were going to come back. We knew we weren't going to get new season of Walking Dead. The DC shows weren't going to come back, you know, Stumptown and all the fall TV. We knew that most of it wasn't going to come back. So them kind of giving, well, at least one of the reasons as to like, okay, it didn't hit its deadline. So we're going to cancel it. I'm just not really understanding the logic behind that, because if you already decided to renew it and you know that eventually, because some, as we'll get into in a minute, some things have started to return to filming. And yeah. I'm just not understanding the logic of like, oh, we couldn't get it back in October. So it's gone. Just, just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's the same thing with, with a couple of weeks ago when we talked about society and I'm not okay with this. Why can't you just wait until you can film and then you can have the show that you originally renewed? Well, I don't really get that. It is an odd one. I'm guessing that there may be something contractually about the fact that maybe they have to pay to keep the actors and people on staff because they're holding for that period. You know, maybe there is some sort of contractual thing about them having to pay them for it and that massively increases the budget possibly. So I don't know, Mm. maybe that's part of it. It is a weird one though because it's made by ABC Signature who are a Disney-owned company and it goes out on ABC in the US. It's their own show. So Mm. it's a little odd. It is a little weird. And I don't know whether it's just that the delays were pushing so much extra financial pressure on it. It doesn't add up anymore. I I don't know. It is weird though. Yeah, It it is starting to make me a bit nervous for other shows. It sort of feels like, okay, if you got renewed in the last six months towards the end of the network season, are you definitely renewed or not really? Because, I mean, we've seen an example now of, a, of two streaming service shows getting cancelled with the two Netflix shows as a society, and I'm not okay with this, and now a network TV show. So it doesn't really feel like anything is, well, obviously there is some shows that are safe because there are some things that are coming back, but it sort of feels like, okay, if you got renewed and you haven't had the chance to come back and film yet, how many more like reversals like this are we going to we gonna kind of see? It, it does make me a bit nervous for like Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Like, is that going to get turned around or, or something? I yeah, I mean, Zoe's is one that... That one does have me a little bit worried because it's such a big production thing. Got to have people together. Musical set pieces, musical set pieces, and dance routines and all that sort of stuff. Right. So I I don't know. There are potentially more of these sort of cancellations coming, but I I honestly don't know right now. I mean, they'd be stupid to cancel everything and just replace them with new shows. Maybe contractual things on some cases that aren't there on others. We just don't know at the moment. See, the only thing with so like the DC shows. And with Zoe is I remember NBC did a post, I think about a month or so ago, and they said that, OK, in next year for 2021, Zoe was listed as part of the schedule. But that to me, that still doesn't really settle it, if, mm. if you get what I mean. So, I mean, it would be really shocking if we did have like, let's say if CW turned around and said like, hey, we can't film the DC shows, they're all cancelled or something crazy like that. Like, I don't expect yeah. that to happen because they you know lose half their network. But yeah. uh, we'll see how this continues to go on. But it does have me a little bit nervous about things that haven't come back to filming yet and uh, what the position of that is. Yeah. So. Uh, as I say, some of it I think is probably contractual based around, you know, what they're supposed to pay them and, and that sort of stuff if there are delays. So I think a lot of it will be down to that sort of stuff, but we'll have to wait and see whether there are any more after this. But yeah, they are trying to shop Stumptown around to other networks. I mean, if it is a contractual thing and then being cancelled stops that contract, it is entirely possible that somebody else could pick it up and 
start rerunning it and start running it from next year. Uh, I mean, you, if you're ABC, you could even sell it across to Hulu, for example. Could, they, which could is, that go on? They can go on Disney Plus, could it? I no, think so. it's probably yeah. too adult for Disney Plus, but it could go yeah, on Hulu. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, yeah. somebody or, like or FX, yeah, or, or FX, or you know, one of the other other networks could pick it up. Um, yeah. If it is a contractual thing, then you might see that happening because, as I say, it is an ABC show. It's made by ABC Signature. So it is made by Disney. It's owned by Disney. It's an odd one, but I think there is some hope that we may still see it again and it may get picked up by somebody else, but we'll have to wait and see. In terms of renewals, HBO has renewed last week tonight with John Oliver for three more seasons, which they, they did three season renewal last time as well. So that seems to be the way they're going, given it's just picked up four more Emmys. You know, hardly a great shock that, and uh, it's it's such a critically acclaimed show for them. I'm very happy that's back because it's so brilliant. And uh, HBO Max have renewed Wrigley Scott's sci-fi Race by Wolves for season two as well, which hasn't been airing over here yet. I'm hopeful that somebody picks that up, but at the moment it hasn't been picked up. By that anybody. would be a good idea, yeah, if somebody did. Yes, and uh, Harley Quinn has been renewed for a third season as well, which I don't think is a huge surprise either because that's been kind of pretty critically acclaimed as well. That also came out as part of the announcement that it would be coming onto HBO Max and all the original DC Universe TV shows are now going to be HBO Max shows. So DC Universe will no longer have TV on it. And they did make an announcement saying that it is evolving, in quotes, to a new premium digital comic book service, which is going to be called DC Universe Infinite. And it will be launching globally in 2021. So, mm-hmm. well, it's bad news for TV fans, it's quite good news for comic book fans because it mm. means that we are going to have a DC comic book streaming service worldwide by the end of next year. They're saying it's going to be January, it launches in the US and then some point in the summer it's going to launch everywhere else, that mm. comic book service. The interesting thing with this move to HBO Max is, now I don't follow the prices necessarily of the American streaming services, but I think HBO Max is only slightly more expensive than DC Universe. DC Universe was actually seven ninety nine, I think. Okay, not- seven so, it's still so it not is, bad though. It is kind of double the price but you do get a lot more what's interesting is the technology TV shows often they're keeping the price the same on DC Universe so it looks like mm. it's going to be seven ninety nine, and it's going to stay at seven ninety nine. but it's not going to have any of the TV shows it's only going to have the comic books on there now which is it's possibly a bit of a kick in the teeth for people that have been the only like superhero shows but yeah I mean I, I quite like the fact that you know if they're launching this globally good on them I mean I, I think that will make a difference and uh, you know certainly you yeah. might have people cancelling yeah. their DC Universe subscription yeah. but you're getting even more basically now with HBO Max because you're getting HBO Max HBO shows and the DC Universe stuff yeah so apart from with us they're all in different places yes so. yeah <laughs> I mean yeah unfortunately we don't have access to HBO Max but uh, DC Universe Infinite will be launching worldwide we don't know exactly what the prices will be if it's $7.99 in the US it will probably end up being like £7.99 every year I would think but uh, 24,000 comic books at launch along with digital first comics, DC fan events, they're running quite regularly, all the fan stuff that is on there, like the panels and bits and pieces that they've been putting up, that's also going on there. Their original graphic novels, digital first comics, they said, um, new comics, I think, go on there six months after they're released in print form. So yeah, I mean, it's 
going to be quite good if you don't want to have thousands and thousands of comic books around and you just want to read the stories. It may be quite a good way of doing it. But, you know, $7.99 months not a bad price for a comic book service, I don't think. In terms of pickups and advanced air dates, a bunch of things resume filming. Riverdale, back to filming. Outer Banks, season two, that is back to filming, which I'm very happy about. I love the first season of that. Lock and Key, season two, he's, he's now filming. Robert Patterson's back to filming on the Batman, apparently, having tested for COVID, and uh, that's now all been sorted out, so he's back on set. Stranger Things is hoping to restart production at the end of the month. So 28th of September, they're looking at to film the next season. So that hopefully is going back relatively soon. I wonder how far they got with that. I, I don't know, not very, three, I don't think. So. Yeah. You season three is set to resume filming in the autumn as well, apparently. Uh, C is looking at the moment going back. That's the Jason Momoa Apple TV Plus series, which was great first season of that. They're looking to go back into filming in October. That film's in Vancouver, I think, or Toronto. It's Canada somewhere anyway. And um, sets are being constructed again for Loki, which was shut down in March. So the Marvel MCU TV show Loki looks like it's heading back into production. Falcon and Winter Soldier, we already know, is back into filming. And WandaVision was already filmed or has completed its filming now. So they've actually put a trailer up for WandaVision today. And they have announced that that will be coming in December and will be the first of the MCU TV shows. So Falcon and Winter Soldier is definitely moving to 2021. Loki was always going to be 2021 hour afterwards. So, mm-hmm. you know. So you could probably now have Mandalorian goes into, obviously not story-wise, Mandalorian yeah. goes into One Division, that goes into Falcon Winter Soldier, yeah. and then that goes into something else. Yeah, Loki uh, possibly, but yeah, that certainly looks to be the way it's going. It's not entirely clear whether Falcon and Winter Soldier was moved purely over production issues from COVID, or whether it's moved because it's got some sort of tie into Black Widow and they had to move Black Widow until next year. That's the other possibility of because obviously it's an interconnected universe. Then maybe that they have to put them out in certain particular orders. So don't quite know, but um, yeah, either yeah. way, one division staff first. Cool. Yeah, it's good to hear finally that these Marvel Disney Plus shows are sort of back and everything. I'm sure Bex will be very happy that Loki's on his way back to screens. <laughs> so that's good. But yeah, I can't wait for because I've kind of missed the MCU. It's been over a year since we've seen anything because Spider Man was July mm. last year. So it's been it's been a long time, and uh, it was good. To to see Wanda and Vision back in the in the trailers yesterday and to you know see how they move into the next phase that we're all looking forward to the post Thanos stuff and, and all that so yeah it should be good yeah yeah so I mean it ends up with WandaVision pretty much being the show to kick off the next phase it does yeah. so you know that that's a pretty big responsibility moving on we've got a couple of new shows that have been picked up ABC has ordered the Erin Brockovich inspired drama Rebel starring Katie Sagal we've talked about this a few times before it's inspired by the life of Erin Brockovich who of course I think people will know Erin Brockovich is from the uh, Julia Roberts movie it stars Katie Siegel as Annie Rebel Bello a blue collar legal advocate without a law degree she's funny messy brilliant and a fearless woman who cares deeply about the causes she fights for and the people she loves when Rebel applies herself to a fight she believes in she will win at almost any cost so it's kind of a fictionalised version of Erin Brockovich basically as a TV series Katie Sogol's fab 
fabulous and a wonderful actress. She was uh, great in Sons of Anarchy and the other stuff she's done. I think she's a perfect pick for this. It's sort of a fictional take on Aaron Brockovich in the same way that Bull is a fictional take on the life of Dr. Phil. Okay. Very different show, but same kind of premise in those regards. So yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a really, really good series. Yeah, Katie Seagull's good. Sons of Anarchy was a very good show. And yeah, uh, yeah I haven't seen much of that cast in different things. I know one of them was in Westworld. One of them was in one episode of The Mandalorian last season. But apart mm. from a lot of the others, I haven't seen them pop up in too many different places. So it's good to see one of the cast again back in, in something. So we'll see what that's like. Yeah, yeah. No, they do pop up in various different places. Sci-Fi UK has picked up a Canadian supernatural drama called Trickster. The series follows Jared, an indigenous teen struggling to keep a dysfunctional family above water, holding down an after-school job and selling ecstasy to support his party mum Maggie, who self-medicates and undiagnosed mental illness and an unemployable dad Phil and his new girlfriend but when Jared starts seeing strange things talking ravens doppelgangers and skin monsters his already chaotic life is turned upside down it's based on a best-selling novel called Son of a Trickster by Eden Robinson it premieres full 2020 on CBC in Canada so obviously it's going to be some time after that on sci-fi although it looks like it's going to run fairly close to the Canadian air date by the sounds of it this sounds like it could be quite interesting, I think. It could be. We'll have to wait and see, Yes, I guess. It's one, so. one of the few original things that sci-fi have actually picked up, because I think Sky have rather struggled to know exactly what to do with sci-fi since they've took over control of it. Because they had Runaways... I think that's the only thing I've seen on Sci-Fi um, UK. Yeah, they had a few things. I mean, you know, obviously they had things like Killjoys, and they, uh, you oh, know, yeah, they had... Yeah. They had Runaways, they had Dark Matter, they had Siren as well. So they've, they've had a few different things, but I think mm. they're in this weird position where they've kind of been handed this channel. And I, I don't think, because it was one that they acquired as part of the NBC Universal deal, and they've kind of been handed the running of it. And I think they're struggling to know exactly what to do with it because its viewing figures aren't obviously that high. But part of the reason they're not high is because they don't have that many premieres on there. But the problem is if a show is big enough, like Twilight Zone, which the first season ran on Sci-Fi UK, they've moved oh, yeah. that to Sky One because it fits on Sky One as well. And mm. Sky One has a bigger audience. So they've moved it across. So the problem is if the show's kind of big enough, they may as well air it on Sky One. And that means you need to find cheap shows to fill it. And if you're going to do that, you're better off buying repeats than you are buying original stuff. But then the audience doesn't grow either. So they're in this kind of chicken or egg situation of do they throw a load of money at it to buy more original drama and bump up the viewing figures that way or do they just use it as a repository for old sci-fi and maybe pick up one or two cheaper Canadian imports which you know is great if that's what they want to do I think that's perfectly fine because these are things that maybe wouldn't get picked up anywhere else but I think they're struggling a little bit to know exactly what to do with it but you know it's nice to see them pick this up I think I just want to go and watch I think moving on we've got Star Trek Discovery season 3 Netflix have finally confirmed that it will air on the 16th of October that is the day after it launches on CBS All Access or soon to be Paramount Plus for some reason only known to some <laughs> CBS executives in the US but so yes uh, I mean not that this matters to us but CBS All Access has been renamed Paramount Plus for some mm -hmm. reason I'm sure there's some logical reason behind it personally I think that's a very odd idea because CBS I think is a much better well known name than Paramount which is more connected to the film world I think 
think, but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yes, uh, Friday the 16th of October for Star Trek Discovery season three. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, now you've got what Paramount Plus, Apple TV Plus, Disney Plus, <laughs> yeah. PlayStation Plus which is the PlayStation subscription thing. Yeah. Um, I think that's all of them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to, to Star Trek, uh, very much like what they did with uh, with season two and where they kind of left things for season three. Mm. I think that means one of the episodes is going to land on Christmas Day, which looks like I'll be maybe podcasting on Christmas Day. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think that's how it lines up. Because I think I mentioned to you before when they said about the CBS date and I said, oh, if this is next day for the Friday, it will line up that way. Mm. So uh, looking forward to it nonetheless. Um, 16th October isn't actually that far away so no uh, should be good looking forward to that most definitely moving on to other news stories there was another bit of mcu news which came out uh, which i i think universally made everybody that heard it quite happy she hulk which is one of the mcu disney plus tv series is incoming we've talked about this coming for a while they now have a star and it is the brilliant tatiana Maslany is taking the lead as she hulk in the tv show I posted this and I haven't seen a single negative comment about it, which is awesome. Because yeah. uh, very, very internet. rare. But yes, <laughs> on the internet, on, on Twitter, on Facebook, even on Reddit posts, everybody seems like overjoyed about this news, which is brilliant. Totally deserve Tatiana because she's an amazing, amazing actress. If you've never seen Orphan Black, go and watch it. It's a phenomenal set of performances from Tatiana. She, yeah, multiple performances. Yeah, yeah, because she basically plays half the cast because the show is about clones and she plays various different versions of these clones and does it so well you utterly forget that it's the same actress doing it and uh, it, it's an amazing amazing performance she eventually won an Emmy in 2016 for that performance uh, she's since popped up in uh, Perry Mason as well that's the other thing she's been she's been starring on Broadway with Brian Cranston in a uh, Broadway version of Network she's done a couple cool. of films as well so uh, yeah she's been been working hard but uh, I, I'm really happy to have her in the MCU. I think this is just brilliant. If you don't know the story behind She-Hulk, created in 1980 by uh, Stan Lee and John Buscema, follows Jennifer Waters, who is a lawyer who gets shot while investigating a crime bus. She unfortunately has a rare blood type, but luckily is being visited at the time by her cousin, who proves a match and will help with the transfusion. Unfortunately, the cousin is Bruce Banner, and the transfusion turns her into the green-skinned She-Hulk. There have been a couple of different origin stories for She-Hulk but that's kind of the most universally accepted version of it she has been a member of the Avengers the Fantastic Four Heroes for Hire Defenders Fantastic Four Shield one of the differences between Hulk and She-Hulk is Jennifer has always had much better control from the beginning of her intelligence and personality so she's more like the version of Hulk that we saw in the last Avengers film than the version that you know with the, the kind of big rage monster that we see so uh yeah i think she's gonna be brilliant to this i really do i think it's gonna be awesome yeah fantastic casting choice we haven't had too many nice surprises this year because this year has been uh fairly odd and weird and whatever yeah but uh it's a very nice surprise to see this gonna be good to see her in as you said you know she's done some other bits and pieces since orphan black but it's gonna be good to see her in another big role where she'll get you know noticed more because it's well a marvel property there's always eyes on marvel so that's really really good i also hear from twitter that bex is 
supposed to cosplay as uh, she helped out. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because she looks like Tatiana's Miss Lady. Yeah. That's, that's mm-hmm. the, always been Which, the joke. She, she said that she doesn't. I don't really think she quite does either, necessarily. No, no, but somebody mentioned it. She made a post about the fact that she doesn't look like her and that led to us all winding her up about how she does. She doesn't mm-hmm. actually look that much like her, but don't tell her that. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, 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 we've been winding her up about it, but yes. I think, you know, she'd make a very good cosplay for her. I'm sure she would. So She-Hulk was one of the second batches of Marvel TV series. So uh, just to clarify the ball, Falcon and Winter Soldier, or rather Division first, then Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then Loki. Then at some point after that, we get a Hawkeye series, She-Hulk, Moon Knight was one of the others, Miss Marvel was one of the others as well. That seems to be the setup of the TV shows. But I'm looking forward to all of these. I think they've got a good lineup of things coming up for that. Roll on December for the uh, for Wonder Vision dissects. Yeah. Get this started. Yeah. It'd be nice to have the MCU back properly. And for Disney Plus to have some content. new content. Yes. Yeah. I know they have had Muppets and things like that, but you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, some more of the, the Star Wars Marvel stuff. Would yeah. Be good. That would be so. good. And we've, we've, of course, we've got The Mandalorian coming back in October. So moving on now, uh, there's some casting for a CW TV show. I'm not one to accuse a TV show of nepotism, but I strongly suspect that this woman slept with the lead actor to get this role. I'm joking, of course. It was for Walker and it's Genevieve Padalecki, who is, of course, wife of Jared Padalecki, who is the star of Walker, the TV show. She is actually going to be playing Walker's wife on screen as well. She has landed this role. In actual fact, the character is widowed on the show. So this will all be stuff that's done in, in flashback. She play Emily, who is the strong, capable and generous late wife who braved and focused on helping the disenfranchised. So she'll appear in flashback back she is a grounded authentic hero in the walker family that's the setup for it of course walker itself is a reimagining of the 90s action series walker texas ranger this is what jared padalecki is going on to after he's finished filming the last little bits of supernatural he's got mitch fellaini is in there star of x-files and, and supernatural he's uh, he's in there kobe bell who's in the gifted is also in the cast keaton allen from pretty little liars is in there molly hagan from truth be told no good nick Jeff Pierre from Once Upon a Time in the Rookie, a few other people as well. So yeah, it's he's, he's looking like a pretty good cast, this lineup. Yeah. Um, I vaguely remember Walker, Texas Ranger, but don't remember much about the kind of original Chuck Norris series. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I think Jared's incredibly watchable. It'd be quite sweet to see these two on screen again. They have, of course, been on screen before in Supernatural, which is where they met in the first place. And she played one of the oh, versions cool. of Ruby way back in season four. That's okay. where they first met. I have no idea who that is. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know too much about this Walker series, but maybe this will be a good sort of modern day take on it and it will invite new audience and, and bring back some of the old audience, which to me is kind of the goal of doing something like this in the yeah. first place. You know, you, you lean a little bit on nostalgia or bringing back the old audience, but it's also a good chance to uh, bring in some new audience. Just the same way as like a lot of these 90s video games have been remastered. It's a good way to bring in you know new audience and a great way to bring the old audience back as well. Uh, cast looks great, like you said, with um, adding her as well which is uh, really good so yeah I'm sure this will I'm sure this will work out pretty well yeah I think mean, you know they're going to have chemistry at least which is a good start <laughs> when you're playing a husband and wife on screen you get a husband and wife to do it so why not but uh, yeah no mm, so yeah. Great, great she's involved with that I think that's fun lastly this week we have a new order from HBO Max and it is a pirate comedy called Our Flag Means Death it's from David Jenkins and Takita Wahiti I'm sold on this just because it's anything to do with Takita Wahiti I am in oh, always but 
I love the premise of it. The premise sounds brilliant. It's loosely based on the true adventures of a guy called Steed Bonnet, who was a pampered aristocrat who abandoned his life of privilege to become a pirate. He's sometimes referred to as the gentleman pirate. The real-life Bonnet was a moderately wealthy landowner before turning to a life of crime. Born into a wealthy English family on the island of Barbados, he inherited his family estate after his father's death. However, following some marital problems, and despite having no experience in sailing, Bonnet buys a ship, names it Revenge, hires a crew, and takes to the high seas to raid the eastern seaboard of what is now the United States. He's somewhat inept as a pirate captain. It's fair to say you can read some of his exploits online, but he did meet some interesting people, including Edward Tetch, who was the infamous pirate Blackbeard. So I think this sounds like it could almost have a kind of Blackadder-y kind of vibe to it. A little bit, yeah. I think this sounds like it could be really, really fun. David Jenkins, if you don't know that name, he wrote a sci-fi show called People of Earth, which aired on TBS for two seasons. I think Fox aired it over here. That was a few years ago. So that's probably the biggest thing he's done. He's showrunning and exec producing it. Takita Wahiti is involved in producing and directing as well. He's quite heavily involved in it. Kim Takita Wahiti, of course, person behind the Thor movies, what we do in the shadows. It almost seems like this is kind of a pirate version of what we do in the shadows as well. I think there's a certain amount of that to it. Hmm. Won an Oscar this year for Jojo Rabbit, which is an amazing film. He's going back to film Thor Love and Thunder next year. And he's currently filming an underdog football film called Next Goal Wins about the American Samoa soccer team. So, you know, uh, just great. I love Takita. I think he's everything he touches is just really, really fun and funny. So uh, I think this could be a wonderful series. Yeah, HBO, they've, they've got the money. Take, uh, Wahiti's got, you know, the comedy and just the creativity. You put pirate and comedy with that. I think that's all a very, very good combination. So yeah. uh, I echo everything that you've just said. So. Yeah, it's called Our Flag Means Death. It's a HBO Max series. It's not HBO, so we've no idea when it may land over here. But Somebody I, should really make a deal with HBO Max. That would be really helpful. Yeah, you know. I kind of wish Guy had... That would make sense. ...done yeah. the deal for they HBO. already have HBO. Yeah, so. I, I wish they'd done a deal for the HBO Max originals at the same time, but they didn't. I mean, they pay an awful lot for HBO as it is, but it would have been, I think, quite sensible to have done a deal for the Max series as well. But they yeah. didn't, so, you know, what can we do? You never know. It may happen at some point in the future. So that's all the news for this week. Let's move on to the highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week on TV. Only four shows, but uh, some interesting ones coming up. We've got Utopia, which is the new Amazon version of the classic cult beloved British TV series. That's the new version that's written by Gillian Flynn, who wrote Gone Girl. There's been some trailers up and floating around for Utopia. It looks like it could be a really interesting version of it. 25th of September, that arrives on Amazon Prime. So that's definitely one to look out for, I think. We've got Life, which is a new, well, spin-off-ish from Dr. Foster. It's got some of the same characters in, but in very different circumstances. Coming to BBC One on the 29th of September at 9pm follows the stories of residents in a large house divided into four flats, each with intertwining stories in surprising ways. As I say, it has some connection to Dr. Foster, but it isn't kind of a direct spin-off. But if you're a fan of Dr. Foster, it's the same people behind it, so could be one to look out for. I'll have a look at that then. I liked Dr. Foster the first two seasons. Cool. Then we have The Comey Rule, which is 
little mini series coming to Sky Atlantic on the 30th of September. This is the story of two powerful figures, Comey and Trump, who strikingly different personalities and ethics and loyalties and put them on a collision course. It's Jeff Daniels is playing James Comey and Brandon Gleason playing Trump. If you've seen any of the trailers for this, I mean, Brendan Gleeson looks incredible as Trump. It's quite amazing the transformation they've done on him. That could be a really interesting one to watch. It, of course, is around the sort of email scandal with the FBI. If you follow any politics in America, it's all relating to that around the time of the election in 2016. That's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 30th of September. And lastly, we have Love Life, which is coming to BBC One on the 30th of September at 9.45. It's also going to be on iPlayer as well. This is a romantic comedy anthology series. Stars Anna Kendrick, certainly in the first season. I don't know whether it's it's a, it's a one of those that's an anthology for a series. So Anna Kendrick's the star of the first series. She's also exec producing it. I don't know whether it's going to be one of those that carries on. So a second series will be Anna Kendrick in another role or whether it will be completely different lead actress. I'm not sure. So it's a self-contained thing for one season anyway. Could be worth a watch if you like romantic comedies. I like Anna Kendrick. So yeah. um, that should be good. Yeah, I like Anna Kendrick as well. That looked like it could be quite fun. So uh, 30th September at 10.45 for that and it'll be on iPlayer and that's uh, Love Life. That's everything we have for this week unless you've got anything else you want to mention. Premier League football has started back up and <laughs> Manchester United lost 3-1 at home to Crystal Palace in their first game <laughs> and have signed one player. So after a really great start as well. Uh, our, our defence looks really, really good this season and uh, yeah. It's only, <laughs> so yeah, so, but we got but, a game on Tuesday. So, and and yeah. you're, you're doing your United cast again, I'm assuming, if uh, you're that play. Yeah, still still doing that as well. So yeah. So where else could they find you if they want to find more and things like the United cast and all the other things? So if you want my TV, video game, film and Man United opinions, um, entertainmenttalk.org, of course. Uh, we're doing two big shows at the moment. Uh, me and David are doing Breaking Bad. The episodes for those are going to be out on Wednesdays. Those have all been recorded, edited and scheduled. And then the boys, of course, on Friday, which has already got, it's only got three episodes left, hasn't it, for its uh, second season? Oh, so, God. Yeah, um, yeah that's, been, that's been very, very good for its season as well. Uh, and of course, me and Robert also recently talked about all of the uh, PlayStation 5 stuff from uh, last week on the Gaming Talk. So you can find all that on there as well. You can follow me on Twitter at eTalkUK if you want to say hello or just follow or whatever the case may be. Uh, you can do that as well. Check all that out. Yes, yeah, so go and check out all Matt's stuff over at entertainmenttalk.org. Bex, of course, you can find on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's Bites with a Y. Streaming daily and on various evenings, assuming she hasn't fallen down a well or tripped over something or damaged something. her face yeah. or throat or whatever else she's accident pro Bex tends to do. But uh, yes, she's going to murder me when she's back on next week. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so keep a lookout for Bex's stuff over on twitch.tv as well. And you can go and get Daryl over on Hollywood News Source if you want to go and find that. For us, of course, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest UK air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.